Okay guys, Q&A podcast today. I'm just gonna cover one topic, one question. Gonna cover it in hopefully a decent amount of detail. The question is, what would you do with a client who presents with chronically tight calves for a long time, stretching, strength work, manual therapy, and kind of load management type strategies haven't been successful. Uh, So that's what I'm gonna try and cover. You are listening to this on the audio on the podcast. If you, I'm also doing recording this video because I have my model here, my hip femur and tibia model, uh, or my whole lower limb model. So I'm gonna be doing this video for the member site also, and we're doing at least a couple of videos a week for the member site. Um, I'm also gonna do, I think, a fibula video for the member site this week as well. So I won't be putting that up, up here on the podcast just because, one there the one it's for it's extra stuff for the members obviously but two the actual fibula itself i want to show i need to show the movement you basically need to see the model to understand what i'm going to be talking about there with the fibula and the calcaneus so that's going up on the member site as is this video but it's not a this isn't a hard sell or anything like that hopefully hopefully not at least but um this video if you want to watch it go and watch it on the site but if you want to listen, you're going to get loads of value from that anyway. So I want to make sure you get good value. So the question is, what would I do with a client or what would you think about with a client? I don't have the question in front of me who has presents with chronically tight calves and struggle or strength work hasn't worked. Uh, what else? Stretching hasn't seemed to work. Like load, managing the load hasn't seemed to work and manual therapy hasn't seemed to work. So first off, that's good. We've, we've kind of started to rule out some things along the way. When you say hasn't worked, it's not as simple as that first off. It's not as simple as saying strength work hasn't worked. How much strength work, what type of strength work, how strong have you made it? Was there a weakness there in the first place? How are you measuring that? That's what I would say. Load management, how are you measuring that? Um, release and manual therapy, I won't go into too much there and stretching, how are you stretching, but I won't go into too much there. So those are the, those are the obvious things, but let's presume, that, let's presume that those things are taken care of. What, what, does that le- what, is, what does that leave us with? What principles or what kind of framework would I have in my mind? And actually, to be honest, with regards to a muscle that presents as chronically tight, I don't tend to see strength work being an issue there what i think is uh, uh, you, you you might typically present with pain no sorry typically is a bad word there's a good chance you will or there's a chance you will present with joint pain and strengthening the muscles around the joint can help a lot with that so strengthening the muscles around the joint can help a lot with joint pain but when you're saying that the muscle is chronically tight I'm not so sure that just just purely isolating and strengthening that muscle would help with chronic tightness. It might, um, but I would typically go for more isolated strength if it was a tendon issue or if it was a joint pain issue, then yes, I might go after strength. But if it's um, just a chronically tight muscle, I'd be thinking more about position and movement. All right. So I would be thinking a bit more biomechanics type of thought process. With regards to the calves themselves, I'm going to attack this problem. This is hard for me to do on a solo, by the way, because I can't see you nodding your head in front of me, 
and I'm just going to do it in one take. But we're going to look at walking versus running, so two different things, and we're going to try and tackle each of them separately. Walking, firstly, when I hear chronically tight calves when it comes to walking, I'm typically thinking about, okay, where is the center of mass? And you will have probably heard me talking about that in the beginning. So calves, even if you're standing up or you're not, if you just lean forward with your entire body weight or, or your body in space just leans forward, then you'll start to feel your toes dig down into the floor, your, your mass move onto the front half of your feet, your forefoot. You'll be plantar flexing down into the floor and plantar flexion is a calf that is working all of the time. And that's where you'll see people present a lot of the time with chronically tight calves. They actually struggle to get and transition through the first half of the gait cycle. They end up moving towards propulsion very early and actually in walking, they're not trying to necessarily, they can be, but they're not necessarily, the calves are not necessarily trying to help them with propulsion. They're actually kind of try, trying to stop them from falling over. So they're trying to stop them from falling over all of the time. And that's very easy to see in people. It shouldn't, that's not a big secret or anything like that. I think it's quite easy to see in people. Sorry, just gonna take a quick drink. <coughs> Excuse me. So that would be, that would be walking. You would, you, would, you would definitely have to look at where someone's center of mass rests, but not rests as in like standing posture all of the time, but you're just looking at how they actually transition through the gait cycle. When it comes to running, it becomes a little bit more tricky. The walking stuff and the center of mass definitely applies and definitely transitions over onto, into how we run because it, it is a similar thing. We're not using as much of the foot or anything like that, but it is a, it is a similar thing in terms of where the pelvis is in space, how it moves, where the rib cage, the thorax is in space, how it moves and how all these joints interact together. But when it comes to running, there's something that you should understand, which is called proximal to distal sequencing. And what that means is proximal to distance sequencing. Basically, proximal meaning like, I don't know the exact definition, closer to the, closer to the midline, distal meaning further away from the midline. So proximal to distal sequencing is about energy transfer. Energy transfer from closer to the midline to further out. So closer to the, so more distal. So closer to the hand and the foot in this instance, the foot in this instance, okay? So proximal to distal sequencing is about energy transfer. There's not as much of that kind of energy transfer in, in walking. There is more of it obviously in running, okay? So when we talk about energy transfer, let's just talk about stance phase and gait with regards to running and why the calves can get very, very overworked, one of the reasons. So with the model here, if you look at the hip, so proximal in this instance is going to be the hip joint, or the hip in general, the hip, the pelvis, all this stuff up here. So when my foot hits the floor, <coughs> we might even go distal to proximal in a second. When my foot hits the floor, the distal hamstring is going to be in an, in, roughly in an isometric-like fashion, manner, contraction. So the, the distal hamstring is going to be trying to stabilize the knee and stop that knee from extending too early. If you're kind of striking the floor and your knee extends too early, it's going to be, 
you're going to have a very unhappy knee, a very unhappy back, a very unhappy hip joint, okay? So the distal hamstring, that's one thing to, to consider first. Distal hamstring should be co-contracting with the distal quadriceps to stabilize the knee. Up above that, the proximal hamstring and the glute max, I'm not talking about glute min, glute med, not talking about back extensors, I'm talking about the glute max. The glute max should start to extend the hip. We're not talking about full hip extension here yet or anything like that. I'm talking about hip extending. Ing is the key word. The hip is extending to help push me forward, okay? So if the hip can, be, can start to extend via the glute max in particular, then, and the distal hamstring can help hold that knee joint in place for a second at least. So the distal hamstring is holding the knee joint, stopping that from extending. The glute max is helping push me forward. Then that energy then is going to be transferred from the hip down towards the knee, okay? So proximal hamstring and glute max start to push the hip forward in space. Distal hamstring is stopping the knee from extending too soon, but when the hip is almost done extending, then the distal hamstring is going to let, start to let go there and the energy from the hip extension is going to be travelled via, in particular, the rectus femoris because that's a biarticular muscle that's attaching onto the hip joint and the knee joint. It's this long, thin muscle. When you, think, when you see long, thin muscles like that, think energy transfer. That's transferring the, the energy from the hip joint down to the knee joint. So I'm getting hip, hip is extending then the, the energy has been transferred down proximal hip to distal knee via the rectus femoris more than anything else, I think. Then I'm starting to get knee extension. Okay, this is where people talk about triple extension. I don't even like that term too much because it's, they start to think about this, this um, extension of the hip, knee and the ankle all together. It's not, it's a timed... Uh, I think the right word might be simultaneous extension where it goes boom, 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 hip, knee, ankle. So hip extension, glute max, proximal hamstring. Energy starts to transfer down via the rectus femoris. I get knee extension. The knee extension then, I should say before, before that actually, part of the co-contraction is the distal quadricep, the distal hamstring, and then the gastrox, medial, medial and lateral, they are actually all kind of co-contracting together to stop the knee extending too soon. But then once that hip is pretty much extended or, or getting close to its full extension, that energy has been transferred, the knee is now extending. The, and instead of the rectus femoris transferring the energy, then I start to get the gastroc starting to transfer the energy down towards the ankle. So now I'm getting that energy transfer from the hip to the knee, then the gastroc is going to transfer it down to the ankle, and I'm going to get my ankle plantar flexion. There's my triple extension to push me forward. Okay, so proximal to distal sequencing is important to understand because the first thing that I would start to think of when I see someone or hear about someone with chronically tight calves is center of mass and how they actually move through the gait cycle, obviously. Second thing I start to think about, which is very much related to the first thing, is proximal to distal sequencing. And that leads me to ask the question, can they get any hip extension? So can they get hip extension? That's an important question to ask. Because if they can't get hip extension, they're not getting that 
they're not really getting much. They will be getting some. They're not getting as efficient energy transfer from proximal to distal as possible. And what you start to see is their calves are actually their, their hip extensors. So because they don't get anything out of that glute, not much out of that proximal hamstring, all their push is coming from their calves. So they're trying to generate that push from further distal to push off, okay? So in walking, we're thinking maybe the calves are, are trying to, you're trying to plantar flex down, like just trying to stop me from falling over a lot of the time. But they're also rushing towards propulsion very early and the calves are acting as their hip extensor there. But in running, it's a lot of the time chronically tight calves, you'll see an inability of someone to access their midfoot. They're pushing straight onto the toes. The knee is extending very early. They don't get an active hip extension from the glute max. And so they have to push, they're, they're basically on the toe so early, all their push is coming from their calves, okay? So that's what I would be thinking about there. Now, when it comes to field-based sports, it might be a bit less, it might be, you might see less of this kind of energy transfer type of thing because what you won't see as much of is knee extension. Because knee extension, you can even try this if you want, you can stand up, extend your knee, you'll feel that that kind of pushes your body up in the air, up in space. So knee extension pushes me up in space and takes me away from the floor effectively. So in field-based sports like Gaelic football, hurling, soccer, rugby, you'll see a lot of knees not getting full extension because they need, to, they need their steps to stay nice and short and shorter and closer to the floor. Now, absolutely, there's times where they get upright and get into a full sprint, but a lot of the time it's like shorter, sharper steps, things like that. So they'll, there will be naturally a little bit more kind of um, more concentric muscle action where the muscles are like, you, I'm trying to generate more push rather than as much of this efficient energy transfer. But that's kind of getting into the weeds a little bit, okay? And that's kind of speculation a little bit as well, but that's what I, I, I think I see a lot of the time there. So basically to answer the question, chronically tight calves to, if you've tried the strength work, which I don't go to first off, unless like they just can't do a calf raise, which I don't see to be the case too often, but 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 it is the case sometimes. So unless unless they are really, really weak, evidently weak, then I will typically go towards looking at how much hip extension they have first. It's not because I think this is the answer all of the time, but I'm looking for the easiest win. If I can restore hip extension and the calf just chills out on its own without me having done any of the strength work, it's a good win. It's an easy win because I can still do the strength work, but I've solved their problem and I've showed them how valuable this kind of work can be for them. And now they're bought in and now they can do the strength work afterwards on top of that, okay? So I'm typically going hip extension and I'm typically going to help them get onto the midfoot. Those two things kind of come together because if I get onto the toe very early, then I'm kind of just probably you'll see someone just extending their back, going forward with the pelvis into an anterior tilt a lot of the time, very early. Um, not that that's bad or wrong. We just don't want it to be starting there and finishing there and only being there. And they don't get a really active, nice active push from the glute max. Instead, they're getting all their push from their calf. So 
helping someone get onto their midfoot, access their midfoot, access just a little bit of pronation, not a ton of pronation, just a little bit. You just want a little bit of springiness through the midfoot. That will help give them time. That will help get the co-contraction around the knee joints. That will help get an active hip extension. Hip extension will help with the energy transfer and then the calf is not doing all the work as the propulsion. So the answer is, a lot of the time, people with these calf issues, they don't have any hip extension. You can measure them on the table, you, you can look at them, how they squat, you can look at them how they deadlift, they will not finish with hip extension. You can look at them how they walk, you can look at them how they run, they will not finish with hip extension, they'll just be getting um, back extension all the time, and I'm not surprised then that they're gonna be getting chronically tight calves. So if that is helpful for you, let me know. If I go too fast or too slow, please let me know. Um, obviously, if you want to watch the video, join the member site. Um, if you want to ask questions, join the member site. But apart from that, I hope it's helpful and um, give it a share if, if it was.